what actually would they like? Not what I think I would like and not what my expectations around them doing an activity or around them being a certain type of person and pretending like they're a person that they're not and gifting them that way, but really accepting the person for how they are, what they like and what they enjoy and thinking about it completely in that realm instead of anything to do with us, which is a really hard practice. You thought it, but we said it. I'm Alexis, a certified leadership and life coach. And I'm Sam, a licensed therapist, and we consider ourselves mindset gurus. Perspectively Yours is our platform where we dive headfirst into conversations on topics that can make or break us. We speak to women about the things we often think, but don't say out loud, how we can shift our perspectives around them to build our resilience and normalize our experiences. This is for the woman who wants a full plate and a full cup without burning out. We're bringing our expertise to the table to give you game-changing tips on how to shift your perspective. So let's spill the tea and get started. Hello, my friend. Happy post-Turkey Day. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. We went to my brother's house, which is like about two and a half hours away. So we got up in the morning and packed everything up and went and spent the day with them and stayed the night. And it was really low key. Like they just, they have their two kids and I had my two kids and we just ate a lot of food for three adults to be eating and had a really good time. That's wonderful. We traveled also. We traveled probably about two and a half hours as well. We drove out to Long Island and, but we left actually on Wednesday evening so that we would just wake up there on Thanksgiving morning. I just figured it was probably a better opportunity for my son to sleep in the car Mm -hmm. (laughs) rather than on Thanksgiving day. So we're, we're big night before travelers just so that we're settled, but it was good. It was us and my in-laws and again, tons of food, tons of cookies. I just, I have a cookie reflex. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite cookie? Honestly, chocolate chip, like Mm. classic cookie girl over here. Yeah. That's my favorite too. I have always kind of hunted after the absolute best chocolate chip cookie recipe And I found one and it like, it just, it uses multiple types of sugars and like you put a little bit of salt, like the coarse salt on top of it. And it's just so good. Oh, well, maybe you'll have to share. Although to be honest, I prefer to eat the cookies, not (laughs) bake the cookies. (laughs) Well, maybe I can share the recipe and you can find somebody to make them for you. Yes. I'm, I'm pretty resourceful. I will say that is a skill of mine. I will find someone else to make the cookies for me. I just, I, you know what it is with baking? You got to be exact. And I'd prefer to cook where I can do a little of that, a little of this, you know, not yeah. as scientific. Yeah. It does kind of have to be, well, it has to be exact. And also like there's some wiggle room. Like it just depends. Like we talk about this in our sourdough classes a lot of like, Yes, we are using a scale. And yes, like you do want to, if you want a particular outcome, you do have to be exact, but that doesn't mean it's going to be bad if you aren't exact. So, yeah. Well, and it's funny. Did you ever see the show on Apple TV, Lessons in Chemistry? No, but I've seen 
I've seen previews and I really want to watch it. It's fantastic. And I guess they would argue that there is a science to cooking, but I'm bound because it is chemistry. It really is. But I'm, I think there's just a lot more forgiveness and I am attentive to details, but not as much in the kitchen. Yeah. Well, and I think like, it's a little bit easier to kind of cover it up again. If you want a perfect and precise outcome, then you do have to be really precise with how you're doing it. But if you're okay with it being like, maybe it's a little different one way or another, then it totally turns out fine. So. Yeah. Well, you know what that can also be applied to? Hmm. Holiday shopping. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a right way to do it? A wrong way to do it? And folks, you are in for a real treat because this is the second time we are recording this episode. So we actually had some time to think about um, after the holiday and we all began our holiday shopping, what we really wanted to talk about with gift giving and our thoughts around it and best ways to strategize and really what gifting means to each of us, because I think it's so personal. And one of the topics that we covered the first time around, which I think would be important to uh, talk about again, is the intention behind gift giving, um, especially as we all got flooded with not only emails, but text messages. And I'm guilty of flooding the text messages and emails myself. But as we all get flooded with them, how do we decide what we're going to spend our money on and how and what are we going to gift? Would you agree, Alexis, that that's really important still to the conversation? Yeah, I think it is still really important to the conversation. And our Our first go around with it in reflecting on it more, I can see that there were instances in my life um, where gift giving just felt more out of obligation to be gift giving. And so when that was the energy that I was experiencing, then it started to feel annoying and obligatory to me of like, well, this clearly is something that's a burden to people to have to be giving gifts. And so I kind of ended up absorbing that. And so that was kind of my initial thought is like, what even is the point of this? If we're just like, sometimes it can feel like we're just exchanging dollars for dollars if we're not being thoughtful and intentional with what we're doing. And so that was kind of our initial conversation is what is even the point around it? But now having time to reflect, I feel like my stance has really changed on gift giving and being able to have conversations with people around it. So yeah, that's kind of like where we're at. And it's interesting because we just headed into the really busy shopping season. Everybody has been waiting for Black Friday sales to do all their shopping. And so now it's like, how do we not get caught up in the frenzy of everything's on sale right now and I should be buying, buying, buying and everybody's asking for our attention to purchase things. And so I think having that conversation ahead of time really helped me go into it being more intentional with what I was going to be buying or not buying. So you actually took the words right out of my mouth with the dollars for dollars. Um, And I think that's all what we want to avoid is feeling like it becomes a transactional season of gift giving rather than a thoughtful one. And the way that we give gifts is not necessarily the same way that they are perceived and vice versa. And sometimes what gets lost in communication is we think someone didn't think about us. We think someone didn't put thought in. And I I like to believe that everybody has the best of intentions. And do I think there are opportunities or situations where sometimes 
it does become transactional for some people, but there's something in their life maybe stopping them from being able to be that thoughtful. But I would say more times than not, we can't anticipate what someone is going to perceive to be valuable to us. They're not mind readers. And Alexis and I, first time around, told the story of hiking boots. And so this is a podcast about hiking boots (laughs) because we both had very similar situations. I was probably with my husband. I want to say it was, I don't know if it was our first year together or a second year together. Maybe I think it was our first year of dating. And he bought me a pair of L.L. Bean boots, which are a great gift. I am not dismissing that whatsoever. But there was a little bit of an agenda behind the boots because now we could go adventuring in the cold weather in proper footwear. And I don't really like to adventure in the cold. And so, yes, they let me be more equipped. And yes, I was still going to, you know, do things that he enjoyed and, you know, go to the beach in the winter and maybe attempt to do some small hikes. But first of all, L.L. Bean boots were not built for ice. Let me just be clear. I learned that the hard way, (laughs) but it was more for something that we were going to enjoy together. And that was his intention, which is a really great intention that he wanted us to be able to do something enjoyable together. And I was going to be the best equipped for that. However, that is not how I perceived the gift, but another gift I will get into in a little bit, but I'm going to let Alexis tell her story about her hiking boots. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was basically the same thing. I think it was pretty early on in our relationship. Like it might've been, it was either the first or the second Christmas that we spent together in our own like apartment and stuff. And it was also hiking boots for the same reason. Like I didn't have a lot of the, I didn't really have our outdoor equipment at the time. Um, My husband is very outdoorsy and loves to go hiking and biking and Um, skiing and all that stuff. And so it was the exact same thing of like gifting something so that we could go and do this together and be well equipped for it. And to me, it was just like, I mean, we were in college at the time, we didn't have a lot of money. And so to have spent the one gift that we were going to give each other on something that I didn't really want necessarily, like to me, that was not like the dream gift that I was getting. Um, it was hard for me at the time to see past, like, this is not what I wanted (laughs) at all. And also I think for me, I think like reflecting on it too, I think that I get, um, expectation resistant. Like, like there's an expectation that has come along with this, that like, we're going to be doing these things together that I might not actually like to do that much. I mean, Mm -hmm. I enjoy hiking, but I really wasn't a very athletic person at the time. And so for me, it was a lot of work to go hiking at the time. And so to have the expectation also presented that like, we're going to go do this a lot more now. And now you have the proper footwear. It was like, what if I don't want to do that? What if I'm not interested in doing this at all? Absolutely. And I also think not to put anybody into a corner or to, to pigeonhole, you know, genders here, but I also think that many males are very big practical gift givers, whereas I tend to be, and I don't want to speak for all females by any means, but I tend to be a very, um, if you wouldn't buy this for yourself, I will buy it gift giver. Um, Something that 
is unique and special and not necessarily practical. So if it was, you know, a a jacket that you really wanted, which can be practical, but maybe Mm -hmm. isn't, you know, the most perfect outdoors coat and more of a fashion coat or a pair of shoes you really liked that, again, weren't for hiking, (laughs) that were more fashionably, you know, used Um, or, you know, anything that would be a value to that person that they would appreciate is how I look into it. And it's funny because in the scenarios where we received our hiking boots, I think they anticipated that we would be receptive to this is something we get to do together. This was thoughtful, but how we perceived it was very different. And I'll give you another Mm -hmm. example. This was our first year in our apartment together, and it was a brand new building. And there was like a lot of dust, I guess you could say, and the vents stuck from like all of the new construction. And so we were waking up with sore throats and not feeling great. And so for Christmas, (laughs) he bought me an air purifier. And now I very much would appreciate an air purifier because I think my focus on things have changed a little bit in terms Mm. of just quality of life and health and wellness. But at the time I'm like, you bought me an air purifier. What about that sweater I really wanted or a piece of jewelry or anything but an air purifier. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and in all of these circumstances, I think that they would have really enjoyed getting those gifts too. And so that is another part where it stretches our muscles of how to like, to think like somebody that we are not, which is something that, uh, it can be really challenging and a practice that some people just have never done before of like, let me take myself out of this completely and put myself into another person's shoes, maybe literally here and (laughs) like think about what actually would they like? Not what I think I would like and not what like what my expectations around them doing an activity or around them being a certain type of person and pretending like they're a person that they're not and gifting them that way, but really accepting the person for how they are, what they like and what they enjoy and thinking about it completely in that realm instead of anything to do with us, which is a really hard practice. And I also think in these scenarios, when things like this have happened, when I've been really disappointed by feeling like I'm not being considered or thought of in the gift giving process, I think is what has left me feeling like not wanting to even participate in gift giving because I don't want other people to feel the same way. And I don't want to show up and disappointing other people. So I'd rather just like opt out of the whole thing altogether. Well, and I think you bring up an interesting point because As receivers of gifts, as I said before, I think that most people have good intentions. And so appreciating that the gift that they are giving us is something for some reason that they think that we will value, like quality time, right? So I would say that my husband's love language is probably first and foremost, like physical touch, but he also really appreciates quality time especially when it's just the two of us. And so that was an opportunity in those hiking boots 
to have that quality time. And we tend to, if we think about the love languages, right, we tend to act in a way that's our love language, Mm -hmm. not necessarily someone else's. Mm -hmm. And so I think the same concept applies with gift giving that we have to be conscientious of what someone else's love language is and what Mm -hmm. they would appreciate. But when we're, when we don't practice that as the receiver to remember this is what they thought that we would love. And that's important too, that Mm. they put thought into it because that's what they thought we would enjoy. They thought we would love because we're sending them some message, right? That this is something that would be valuable to us. So waking up in the morning, not with a sore throat and enjoying our new apartment better or spending more quality time. And so, because I think when we have too much apprehension about whether or not someone's going to enjoy the gift that we're giving, we then put a lot of our own worth in that gift. And Mm -hmm. if it's not well-received, it's not liked, we tie an expectation to it Mm -hmm. of who we are to them, how valuable we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which really is like classic codependent behavior of like how you are receiving what I'm giving you is completely just that tells me what I'm worth instead of I know that I put time and effort into this and I think that you would like it. And if you don't, like, it's not that it doesn't matter, but that doesn't mean that I'm a bad person either. Right. And I think sometimes that can even come into with how much we spend mm-hmm. on a gift, that there's mm-hmm. a, a financial value to how much we're giving. And so what I find to be helpful is that we often set a budget around what these gifts are um, for some, not for all. So we have, let's say a $50 max or not $50 max. We each spend $50 on this gift. It's an agreed upon amount. And that can be really helpful to setting that boundary so that I don't overextend myself and don't overextend my own personal boundaries, which we've talked about previously and being able to respect that for for ourselves. Um, But it's really important to our wallet and our Mm -hmm. purse strings to be able Mm -hmm. to do that. And in instances where there's no budget, how do you put value on the gifts that you're giving? How do you feel like you're providing a valuable gift in instances where it's more open-ended? I don't even know. Like I definitely would be really guilty of trying to spend as much as possible in order to like- Most of us would. Do the best job that I could. Like I just would, I would overextend myself. I'm notorious for that during the holiday season. Um, I, and I just love like picking things out for my kids is like my favorite thing ever. And so it's so easy to just go overboard with that. Um, but at the end of the day, like they only really care about one or two things and the rest of it just, you know, after they get a couple gifts, they just don't really care that much anymore. But I do feel like that's how, that's a way that we're all kind of I don't know if conditioned is the right word, but like the more that you spend, the more that you care kind of seems to be yes. how it is. Yeah. And what's interesting is I have gotten a number of gifts that are not necessarily the most expensive gifts, but were definitely some of my favorite because of the creativity that was put into them, the way that they were wrapped and packaged and put together, right? There's still love being given in that. And I actually found a couple of gifts that I'm going to be giving this year that are not going to break the bank, but are cute and sweet and thoughtful. And they're just 
their fun gifts. But I think that's something that definitely comes with age. And the la- the first time we talked about this, it's, it's striking my memory right now. I told the story about the pencil I got in the grab bag as a kid. So when I was in first grade, I think we did a Christmas or holiday grab bag. And everyone, I think, had to spend like $10, right? And there were kids who got um, those travel size games, like the um, Perfection game or Travel Size Connect 4 and all kinds of fun stuff, probably like slime and Play-Doh and you know things that seven and eight-year-olds love. And I picked out a decorative pencil and I was pissed because this was my gift was a damn pencil. Now, as a 36-year-old, I can appreciate the time and energy and creativity and small business owner life of what it takes to put together something like that. And you would find it on Etsy now for $10 and probably not think twice. But at that time, that seemed ridiculous, but also to a seven-year-old that I got a pencil. It wasn't fun. It wasn't something I could play with. It was just a pencil. And so I didn't have that appreciation for it at a young age. But as I gotten older, as I've gotten older, I can appreciate more of the time and energy that's put into things. Yeah, I remember loving that story. And it just reflecting the whole fair doesn't mean equal all the time, too. And I wonder if that experience in particular, did do you feel like that shaped gift giving and gift receiving for a long time for you as a kid or and into adulthood? Like, is it something, I mean, clearly it made an impact because you can remember it. Do you feel like it has played a role in gifting for you? Yes, because I think it was my own perceived value of the gift. And at the time, I don't think that any seven or eight-year-old would have really valued that gift. And I would stand by that. I do think an older child might have appreciated it, but a young kid, not necessarily. And so I think that that has played a part in making sure that when I gift, it's something that they perceive. And to me, it's about knowing the person and Mm -hmm. knowing what they value, which goes back to our original conversation of what they value, not necessarily what we do. But, Mm -hmm. you know, this is one of those tug of war conversations because it's a matter of what do they receive, but also what do I enjoy giving them? Mm -hmm. And I don't think that there's an easy answer. I think it's just knowing and appreciating the, the attention and level setting the expectation. And so now as a gift giver, without tying my self-worth to the perceived value. It's okay if you don't like it. It's okay if you want to return it. This is what I thought you would like. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, I want you to have something that you will enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's good too, because people can get so wrapped up in like, you should just like what I give you and not return it. Like that's rude or, you know, not okay. And because again, it means something about me. If you didn't like the gift that I picked out for you, it means something Mm -hmm. is wrong with me instead of accepting that we are all completely different humans. We can't necessarily know everything that's going on with a person internally on what they would like and what we perceive that they would find valuable and a worthwhile gift just may not be. And that is okay. Because like you said, you put when you put thought and effort into trying, that really is 
the crux of it. That really is what matters. And also when you can give it to somebody without the expectation of they have to love it and they have to keep it, then it just, I don't know. It seems like I can sense a bit more safety there of like, it's okay if you don't like this. And it doesn't mean that it's going to cause some big drama between all of us because you didn't like the gift that I gave you and you wanted to return it. And you're just letting the other person be who they are while you're being who you are at the same time. And what I think helps too is gifts are a way of forming connection. They're mm-hmm. not just given arbitrarily mm-hmm. in, in, I mean, in some cases, you know, they may be the obligation. I know sometimes we feel like we're having to provide gifts for teachers or for this person or for that. It's an obligation. But even then I challenge you to think about it as it's a way of showing gratitude. It's a way of saying thank you. But I think when you can explain or give a story behind why you purchased this or why you're gifting this, you're creating an opportunity for connection. And it mm-hmm. still doesn't have to connect with them. They could be, I appreciate that. I love where you're coming from. It's just not something I'm going to use mm-hmm. and still be okay with that. But when you share the story of how this gift came about, it may create at least more opportunity for connection and conversation. Mm-hmm. If anything, if not anything else. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. So since we had had this conversation about a week ago, and then we went into Black Friday and all of that, like the big holiday shopping weekend, how did you do gift giving this year? I always, I go into gift giving with how can I get the most bang for my buck? That should be my life slogan because (laughs) it doesn't matter what it is. It's how can I get the most out of what I'm doing, spending, Etc. Time, whatever it is, doesn't mm-hmm. matter. I want my actions to be purposeful and intentional and valuable. And I would say that while I'm always looking for the best sale and deal, I don't want to just buy whatever is on sale, right? We just talked about the reasons behind intention, intentional gift giving. But I also, I don't, I don't have the best budget when it comes to Christmas shopping, which I overextend. So the way I justified that was I honestly shopped 100% through Rakuten, through the brands and companies that I know and love, but where I saw greater opportunity for cash back or for promos, I looked there first. And if I was able to find something, I shopped through there. And if anyone hasn't used Rakuten before, you when you sign up, you actually get a $40 in your bank account. At least right now it's 40. It's typically 30. Um, for using it for the first time. And then you get a percentage of cash back with the stores that are associated with Rakuten. And Beauty Counter had 12%, just FYI, in case anybody saw that. It's it's not there now. So that's why I tell you, sign up. You'll never know when, when you've got big perks. But Macy's had 15% and Target had 15% and lots of like big stores did. And so where I... Um, where I saw opportunity was to to buy gifts through the websites for discounts. And I kind of tackled them one at a time. I put a lot of thought into what I wanted. And if I didn't find it on one side, I then searched for another where I could then find it at a deeper discount or more in cash back. And I went line by line through my through my folks. I started with the kids first because they're the most fun to buy for. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm I am down to more immediate family and friends because I do tend to gift quite outside of my immediate circle. So my folks that are 
my immediate family are, are always last on my list because they require the most thought, to be quite honest. Yeah, that's awesome. I love how you found a solution for purchasing gifts that felt good. Because I know we had talked about in our last conversation that it was like, I'm just not quite sure how to like manage all this, you know, with budgetary constraints and things like that. And so it sounds like you really found a good solution that felt really good for you. I made it like a game. How much mm-hmm. how much money can I get back on this? How much can I save? And I think that's why I, you know, I, I love strategy. I love to figure out how I can get the most savings and the most value for what I'm purchasing within, you know, the parameters of what someone would appreciate. Yeah. I love that. And I didn't buy any decorative pencils. No pencils happening. <laughs> no pencils. I honestly did very little gift shopping because we're going to be traveling for the holidays. And we don't, I mean, we give to like, um, the kids, like the cousins will oftentimes send a gift, but that's pretty much all that we do in terms of like interfamily gift giving, because we have a huge family. Like I'm the oldest of seven kids. Um, and so I think half of them are married at this point or have a significant other. And then there's kids in there too. And then my husband has three siblings as well and all but one are married. And so it's like, there's just a lot of people. And so we've pretty much just kept it to giving to the kids. And so I didn't really do a whole lot of shopping and we're going to Disneyland for Christmas. So we're not doing any real gifts other than that. So it was a really, honestly, the most simple holiday shopping season I think I've ever had. We try to do a grab bag now with most of our families because there's just too many people to buy for. So each of us is responsible for one. So me and my husband, right? We're responsible for two. So Mm -hmm. we do a family grab bag with my extended family, with my um, cousins. And then we do a grab bag with, we call them our family, friends that are family Mm -hmm. that um, they're like, they're all my aunts and uncles and cousins. It's just not technically blood related. Um, It's always a fun conversation to explain that dynamic. But we uh, we do a grab bag there as well. And then I buy for the kids, my nephews, um, because the kids, we don't want to be a part of it. But I think that the grab bag solution has helped quite a bit with cutting down some of the cost. Mm-hmm. But the other thing we did to kind of make it interesting and again, not just exchanging dollars, we did in my uh, with my brother and um, his girlfriend we're doing four gifts each and it's something you want, something you need, something you wear, something, something you, you read. read. Yep. Something you read. Mm-hmm. Nice. So that's a way again to make it feel like it's thoughtful, but also manageable. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that that's really finding the balance of like, how can we make this thoughtful? How can we make this manageable? And like you have people who live right there with like within, you know, a general like nearby radius. And we do not at all. Like unless we travel to somewhere for, for the holidays, which we usually don't, we are just not in proximity of any family members. So that makes it different too. So, all right. Well, I loved having this conversation again. We got to talk about new things, which was so fun. Absolutely. And it's so nice to have some reflection on what my habits were this year (laughs) with giving. And actually one last thing I'm going to just share as a tidbit, and I don't know if anyone does this, but we, and I used to work at a bank when I was in high school or early college, I take that back. It was probably college. 
and the it was a credit union and they had a savings account that was specific for holiday savings. Mm, yeah. It had like its own suffix. And I forgot about that actually until my mother-in-law mentioned it the other day. I'm like, you know what? That's a really good idea. So it gives you a fund to be able to use to maybe help you stay within a budget also. Mm-hmm. So that the amount that you're able to put aside for gifts for the following year doesn't feel like it's breaking the bank or going to take away from funds that you have allocated for other expenses or bills or whatnot. So yeah, that's actually what we do too. We started doing that years ago. Actually, I think because I also worked at a credit union when we moved here. And so, and they had the same thing. They had a Christmas account that you could put money into. And so after that, I just started doing that and that helps a lot. Yeah. I think it's even just being aware, making sure that you're aware of what you're spending, how you're spending it, and taking away the expectation and the and the worth of who you are to that person mm-hmm. just on the gift alone. If I had to really give you some bullet points from today. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Well, thanks for coming back to chat. Absolutely. And we'll be back next week to shift some more perspectives. Next week. See you later. Thank you so much for joining us today. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not intended to replace professional medical advice or mental health services. If you are in a mental health crisis, please call the Suicide and Crisis Hotline at 988 or 911. Did today's episode of Perspectively Yours hit the spot? It would mean the world to us if you'd show us some love with these three effortless ways to help your fave podcast thrive. First up, the most important, never miss an episode by following or subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Just head over to our show page, tap the plus sign and select follow. Next, leave us a shiny five-star rating and review on your podcast platform. Your feedback helps us make each episode better and better. Last but not least, share your favorite episode with a friend. The power of word of mouth is undeniable, and we would be over the moon if you spread the love about Perspectively Yours. Before we let you go, here's a fun fact. We met through Beauty Counter, our favorite clean beauty brand, and are both brand advocates. If you've been looking for safer products that actually give you results, you can get 20% off your first purchase with the code CLEANFORALL20. Don't forget to follow us each on Instagram at Ms. underscore Samantha Kehoe and Alexis dot the nourished beginnings. Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources we mentioned. Thank you for being here. We are grateful for your support and love. Mm-hmm.